Prema Shah's first Ayurvedic teachers were her grandparents and parents who taught her many Ayurvedic home remedies and spiritual practices. Reema has been studying herbs and medicinal plants for 30 years, completing both Western and Ayurvedic herbal studies. She was part of the core faculty of Kanyakumari Ayurvedic School in Milwaukee. She founded and created the apothecary at Kanyakumari in 2004 and created some of her signature products. She's also taken numerous trips to India to enhance her knowledge through advanced studies in Ayurvedic herbalism, Panchakarma and women's health. And she's maintained an individual Ayurvedic practice in Milwaukee for 17 years. She's counseled women through birth, prenatal and postnatal care using her knowledge in midwifery and doula work, folk medicine and ancient Ayurveda. She has taught in several Ayurvedic schools and we're so lucky to be speaking with her on this episode. On this episode, I'm speaking with Reema about Ratri Charya and Ayurvedic nighttime routine. Today's emphasis on sleep research with circadian rhythm has such strong roots in Ayurveda. Is Ayurveda given its due? What does Ayurveda say about circadian medicine which is so popular today and how can we describe Vata, Pitta, Kapha? Take a listen also to... The guided sleep meditations which started with episode number 56, these mini episodes which air each Friday are on short guided sleep sessions. The 10 to 15 minute sessions which will guide you through meditations and help you relax deeply. Here's what people have said so far. Loving the lavender sleep meditation, listen last night and putting you on tonight as well. Someone else shared, loved it, so blissful. And one more share, I listened to the meditation while falling asleep last night. The rest is history. I fell into a deep sleep. Now take a listen to episode number 59 with Reema. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I am your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Reema, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And I think that um, Ayurveda, of course, is the most fascinating subject on this planet. And there's so much research being done today in areas which Ayurveda spoke about 
so so long ago and uh, we did one episode very early on with dr manmohan and i think it's also fascinating to see how a woman practitioner versus a ma- male practitioner the difference in the thinking and the approach could be uh, something like the yin and the yang so i'm looking forward to our conversation and we are talking about ratri acharya or ayurvedic nighttime routine uh and um i know that you have an ancestral there are roots with ayurveda for you because you speak about your first ayurvedic teachers being your grandparents and um but did you typically what you notice when someone comes from some sort of a lineage of ayurveda they tend to resist going into ayurveda and i've come across so many people like that so how was it for you how did your because you're deeply seeped in ayurveda and i'd love to know whether uh, you resisted it or you embraced it wholeheartedly Mm, such a beautiful question to start off with. You know, I think the reason that I needed to really hold on to it is because uh we were immigrants twice. Mm. You know, so my father first immigrated to Kenya like so many Indians do. They emigrated to East Africa in the 1940s. So they really had to create their own culture in Africa. And then Uh, when I was a young child, we migrated to Canada and then to America. Mm. And we came into America when nobody knew anything about any of this. And my parents still very much, as you know, Indian parents really hold the tradition. And in our house, we had all the traditions there. But I didn't see any connection to nature outside of my household. Mm-hmm. And as the years passed, it went on with my life in america that inner feeling those lessons that i was taught it really became very clear that these were really important lessons and that part of my dharma was to share it wow so i really think it's because of my immigrant experience and the interesting thing about you asking that is when i started to get interested in ayurveda i would go home to my family in india and i realized that they didn't know very much and that shocked me because india's is the mother it's the motherland and that made me realize that there was a deep disconnection in india because of colonialization and the fact that ayurveda was really you know um kind of silenced and there was always practitioners but uh it went through such change and i feel like a lot of families lost that aspect that if you would trace back most great grandparents followed this tradition mm. so that really piqued my interest too because i realized that my family members in india also didn't really know much i think that's beautiful rima and in fact you're so right because i discovered this with yoga i've been teaching for 22 years and 
way back then people would look at me friends would look at me in disbelief when i said i'm teaching yoga as if it wasn't worth it wasn't a worthy profession uh, and people would look at me like this is the most boring profession do you actually make money from this and there was no value for yoga and then fast forward suddenly it went to the west and it became so popular and now it's starting to become an exciting profession in india itself and you're really right that i think we just don't um i think it's also because somewhere we disconnect we we have this blind faith so we don't actually start to ask questions of why there are customs why what is the science behind practices and then somewhere that blind faith dissipates and then it ends up as i don't really think this is something worthy in my life and then people drop that Uh, so that's beautiful and when you spoke about dharma that also resonated with me so much because i truly believe that my dharma is to do this my dharma is to bring this teaching into the world so this is the first time i've actually heard somebody embrace that with that sense of purpose um and i know that in the space of sleep i've been uh, in this fine tuned into the world of sleep for the last year or two and seeing a lot of sleep research and doctors working in sleep there's so much research being done on circadian rhythm and sometimes i'm smiling within because this is something that's been spoken about in ayurveda for i mean centuries maybe and then suddenly there's so much attention being brought to circadian rhythm so uh, in your mind do you feel that um, ayurveda is being given that due in the context of circadian rhythm i actually consider it to be like the original circadian medicine yes. ayurveda mm. because as you know every concept is with rhythm i actually feel like the cosmos is rhythm and it's all around us and somehow we forgot how easy it is to actually connect to the cosmos you know the sun always is rises the moon is always in the sky we have rhythms where certain animals come out at certain times of the day everything is rhythm and so ayurveda really understood that and the interesting thing about the west is now there's a new branch of medicine called circadian medicine which you're talking about and it's very new and exciting in the western world because they're finally paying attention to this mm. that that the impact of the world around us affects the rhythms within us right you know so it's exciting to see the west embrace this but this is the 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 i've i think this is like the essence of ayurveda is mm. rhythm mm. and it's the art of rhythm so when we can bring that in more we actually do feel connected yes absolutely and you know every word that you utter i find my mind going to so many things so when you spoke about cosmos 
my mind instantly went into the rhythm even in astrology so there's so much connection if you really look into astrology and ayurveda there's so many intersections and of course you spoke about this beautiful rhythm existing in nature and i want to talk a lot more about that um and before we jump into what does ayurveda say about circadian medicine i want to quickly ask you and get your thoughts and i've asked this to so many people that recently there's this um, chronotypes in sleep that some people are meant to be night owls and um some people are um, you know they're meant to sleep in the middle of the night and wake up maybe at 8 or 9 and they've been quizzes developed for this and uh, telling you that you will be in peak performance only when you go to sleep in the middle of the night if you're a night owl uh, i have my own thoughts on this but i want to get your quick thoughts so you know um and i understand those night owls out there but i i really truly believe from an ayurvedic perspective that we are not night owls we just train ourselves habits are habits um but we're really diurnal beings meaning that we um live our day from sunrise to sunset that's really who we are So um Ayurveda would say no we just get into habits where we think we're night owls. Mm I totally agree with you Reema and I was just hoping that you would not say something else I think. Uh and I truly believe that if somebody believes they're a night owl there's other things going on like a hyperactive adrenal function and there's so many things that are making them prone to wanting to sleep so late and i'm so i so resonate with what you said so let's jump into our conversation and what ayurveda's perspective about i'd love to understand circadian medicine in a little more detail before we get to our nighttime routine and sleep and Absolutely. You know, I feel like modern life has made us have more conveniences, but we're so unhealthy because of those conveniences. Mm. So truly really understanding and bringing it back to like the basics, which is we really need to look at the environment around us. And what I mentioned earlier that we really are diurnal beings and diurnal just means that we really are are mammals that work well from the time that the sun rises to the time that the sun sets mm-hmm. and we're not nocturnal we're not like other animals we're really diurnal Mm-hmm. And so when we really follow that rhythm that's just one rhythm because you talked about astrology which is so good and I do want to make um a point that these vedic sciences they're really like the chakra and they're all spokes of yes. the same wheel yes. and so each of those sciences has so much to offer and they're so synergistic together mm. So um so when we when we can really be listening to nature and getting cues from nature then we can really be in harmony. You know there's a saying that um in America where Pete where uh the saying is the universe has got your back. Mm. You know um and it is true the universe does have our back. 
you know, we are all microscopic beings in this macrocosmic world, but we are all in harmony with the universe. That's how the universe created us. So when we can listen to those signs and look at those signs, then we can find that benefit of health that is just waiting for us. So a big part of it is really following the rhythms of waking up early. Mm. It's really, really important. And we've trained ourselves to work so hard and then live off a few hours of sleep um, that we actually forget that it's such a vital thing to do is to wake up early. You know, most people in America actually consume most of their calories after 3 p.m. And 3 p.m., if we're diurnal beings, we should have accomplished so much before that time so we can actually prepare ourselves to go to sleep. I agree. Totally. And I've always believed that there's an innate beauty and energy at that 4 a.m. There's such a potent, you can actually feel as if there's energy around you and a yoga practice at 4 is different to a yoga practice at 3 p.m. And I think you're so right about consuming calories beyond 3 because Typically, my dinner is around five and I'm almost done by then. And uh, I do see a lot of people who are eating at midnight. And of course, then the choices that you make in terms of your food also become different as well. Because if somebody is fasting all day long or eating uh, not optimally, and then suddenly they're craving the salts, the fried food, the sugars late into the night. Um, And uh, so is there a way that if if somebody were to come to you who's a night owl, uh, how do you actually get them to slowly restore um, what we would say is an optimal circadian rhythm? Um, Beautiful question. So I think this is a great time to bring up the fact that we have Vata, Pitta and Kapha. Yes. And these are the three constitutions. And for uh, I know that your listeners might already know about it, but Vata is made up of air and ether. Pitta is mostly fire and Kapha is earth and water. So kapha has the heaviest of the elements, vata has the lightest of the elements. Mm -hmm. And so each person is made up of a combination of all elements. And that's something to remember is that every human being on the planet has all five elements within them. We just have different percentages. Mm -hmm. So first off, it's really understanding what's our cosmic makeup. Are you fiery? Are you airy? Are you earthy? Are you watery? Do you crave space around you? So when we understand that, Ayurveda is opposite cures like. So when we find out things about ourselves, we know we can bring in opposite qualities. So that's number one. But number two, which is so fascinating, is that there's certain times of the day that are vata time of day, Pitta time of day and kapha time of day. And I think that's really good for listeners to realize because it actually gives us a lot of information on how we should, what we should do at what times of the day. So 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. 
and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is kapha time of day. Mm. Let's first talk about that. So that's the times of the day when the energy around us is really heavy and it's very stabilizing. And we say it's like dense, gross, cloudy energy, like, and we're gross, we're saying is like very stable. Mm. And so 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's a beautiful time for us to accomplish a lot of things. One thing we don't want to do is to sleep during that time. Mm. Because if we sleep in kapha time, those heavy, dense, gross, cloudy energy is going to consume us. So that's why so many people who have sleep problems, they try to sleep late in the morning and they wake up groggy. Right. But it's a great time to exercise because our body is very lubricated and it's very moist. So exercise at that time, we tend not to hurt ourselves or get injured and it's also a really good time. And it makes sense why so many Indians drink chai in the morning, because having good spices like clove and cinnamon and ginger is very good for kapha time of day because it gets us moving. Mm. And you did mention 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. as well. So is that also a time to exercise? Because for me, if I were to exercise so late, I would find myself a bit active and maybe I can't fall asleep. Such a good question. 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is really what we call Vratracharya. This is mm. really telling us about our nighttime routine. So what we want to do in the morning, because we know what the morning with the sun rising in the sky, the sun is telling us that we need to be active. So we want to do things in the morning that are going to really encourage that and not get bogged down by kapha time. But in the evening, we want to... Um, lean into that energy. Mm. So some nighttime routines that are very helpful is eating dinner early. When their duties are done for the day, they want to just watch TV and they want to relax and they want to be up late at night. Mm. But it's actually, we should stay away from electronics. Mm. We should um, do beautiful evening rituals like baths, meditation, um, things that are relaxing and don't require a lot of your mind. And that will help encourage us to go to sleep. Beautiful. And I think, Rima, when you were talking about this difference between the morning kapha time and the evening kapha time, what came into my mind was um, in the morning, it's that we want that lymphatic circulation. So the exercise, so kapha doesn't get heavy and bog you down the whole day, make you lethargic as it might. And in the evening, we want a more gentle, calming lymph, uh, which allows you to actually fall into sleep. So there is some level of tweaking even within that. And that was beautiful. I, I actually didn't Absolutely. know about this time of the day. And it's really profoundly useful to me as well, because uh, this is the first time I'm learning. So thank you. Grateful for that new knowledge I received today. Um, so, okay, let's go into Vata, Pitta. 
Yeah. So you mentioned about that time earlier that 4 a.m. is so good for meditation. And you being in India, you know that you grew up seeing so many of your your dadas or older people, they that they were on that rhythm. They would mm. just wake up. And we call that Brahma Muerta. Yes. It's like the yeah. time of totality. Mm. So that's the time that we are completely absorbed and one with the universe. And it's actually a 48-minute period that happens one hour and 36 minutes before sunrise. Wow. And that's known as this time of totality. Okay, so vata time of day is 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and 2 p.m. to um, 6 p.m. Hmm. And so that time is when air and ether is very predominant. So let's take 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Hmm. That's the reason why it's such a good time to meditate is because the veil is very thin. We're very close to that cosmic spiritual end. And really, it's really good for us. So if we wake up at 4 or 4.30 or 5 or 5.30, that's a beautiful time. But also, it's a really important time for sleep, because that's when that rapid eye movement happens. That's mm. when dreams happen. That's when our sub mind can be important. So we're doing a lot of good work. Our brain is doing a lot of good work at that time that it needs to. And then when we can actually wake up at that time of totality, where mm. we can feel at one with the universe, we can have such a profound and satisfying and stabilizing meditation um, uh, within us. And then if we take 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., mm. that time is usually very busy for people. Right. I know in America, people are getting their children, they're coming home from work, they're in rush hour traffic, and that can be very vata deranging. Mm. Okay. So then 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., we want to remind ourselves to not get too frazzled. It's a really good time to actually meditate during that time if you feel like you're very vata vitiated. Um, it's also a really good time instead of doing some really brain activities to do something creative because mm. vata energy is very creative. So 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., we want to be careful because we're actually using like the last of our energetic reserves. And if we allow ourselves to feel very scattered or overwhelmed or, you know, feeling like everything is so stressful, that's going to affect us. So between that time, it's a very good time to pause. Perfect. And just a reminder that 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. is a really good time to be creative. You know, vata really represents creativity in us. Pitta represents getting the job done. Mm. So between that time, it's a good time to not work so much with your brain on getting things done, but really getting into your creative self. And it's also, you really have to be careful that you don't get too frazzled during that time. So I think I tell my clients that I can tell that their lives are really stressful and busy. I actually tell them that they should really meditate at that time of day. And that's usually Always the time the that morning. we are so busy. That's the time, as you say, we are so busy. 
and frazzled and Absolutely. overly stressed. And that's usually the time though that I put my phone on airplane mode and I go and sit quietly in my garden amidst the trees. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> and see, India has so much of that too, that aspect of these trees and flowers and medicinal plants. Um, and that's really important, you know, that people remember, especially um, in India where it's so accessible to go outside and be in the light too. Yes. Many of us work inside and we have got to get outside because that light is really important for our melatonin, mm. which is also so important for our sleep, but we need to absorb that. Yes. Um, and of course, on the note of melatonin, Rima, I must tell you that there have been some research lately where uh, some, uh, there's some few people working uh, in the space that uh, blue light and screens actually don't affect you at all. And it's just to sell products on uh, like blue light blockers. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you feel oh, the yeah, blue I lights it... impact you? Yes, absolutely. And you know what, in America, like the rest of the world, everyone's gone on Zoom. And one of the biggest sellers has been those blue light glasses because people were feeling headaches. Mm -hmm. They were feeling like their eyes were tired. I know I feel it. And you know what, this has really been talked about in the holistic world for a long time. These screens, mm -hmm. the light from the screens, it ages us. Yes. It actually, you know, breaks down cellular structure. And so um, I, I fully believe that they have an impact on us. Yes. I think, Rima, somewhere there is this, um, there's the fact that there's not enough research into Ayurveda doesn't in any way mean that what's being spoken about for so long is not true, but there is, I think, an excessive focus in today's modern world on uh, what is being researched. And if it's not researched, is it valid? And I'm always of the opinion that you can't discount something which is age old ancient practices, which have been living proof in so many people just because there's not enough research. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I really resonate with you. And I know I want you to talk about Pitta time because I think, I mean, I'm predominantly Pitta and I would love to hear about that. Yeah. You know, there, there's a saying in the Ayurvedic text that if you're going to worship one element, you should worship the element of fire, mm. because the state of your Agni is, the, is, is directly corre correlated to the quality of your life. Mm. So Pitta being fire represented by 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is really the foundation for our daily routine, our dinacharya, mm. because most importantly, when the sun is strong, it's the strongest in the sky, we have to eat our main meal in the middle of the day. Mm. And you know, Deepa, this is one of the things that I am so grateful that I went to India and I had such a deep connection with my grandparents because every time I went, that structure of eating in the middle of the day was still there at that time. I don't know if it's changed in India. 
but it's such an important aspect that India has really been able to show the world because so many families have done this. I don't know, has it changed? I think it has to a large extent. Um, I mean, there's so many practices today. Suddenly there's so many people focused on intermittent fasting and they're fasting all morning. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily support their health. Uh, so then maybe they're eating at that time. But personally, I am focused on making my lunch the most hearty meal of the day. Uh, I find I really do well with a lighter breakfast because it's a bit easier on digestion. I struggle if I've eaten heavy proteins in the morning. And that's the time what you're talking about. The pitta time is when I eat my full main meal. Uh, and I find that then it works so beautifully for digestion. I never feel any load on my digestive system. That's absolutely right. You know, breakfast is like breaking fast, right? Because we actually do fast. We fast every single night. And breakfast is breaking the fast. So, you know, there, the, really the Ayurvedic concept is that you do want to have a light breakfast. And then like we talked about your main meal from 10 to two, it's also the most productive hours out of the day. Mm. So we as human beings have got to get out of the mind frame that we have to work hard 12 hours a day. You know, we could probably accomplish more in four hours or three hours than we could if we, uh, you know, thought we could do it all day long. So that's our most productive time. It's the time that we're most active. It's the time that our brain is most active. And of course, our digestion is most active. And I must ask so, you, Rima, before you go yeah. ahead, is that what do you think about people eating this big meal at uh, 12 or 1 and then taking a nap after the meal? Uh, that's a common practice because they eat this heavy meal and then they go sleep. So what are your thoughts on that? So Ayurveda says that resting a little bit after your food is a good thing, but not napping for more than 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. So if you want to rest, because, you know, um, our body, it does do well to rest a little bit after we eat, but we don't want to have long periods. And also, though, if you do feel heavy, it's very um, contraindicative for you to go to sleep. You should feel like you've digested well. And the rule of Ayurveda is you eat till you're two thirds full. Mm. So even though you're eating your big meal, you shouldn't feel so heavy. But if you feel heavy, you need to take a walk then. That would right. be much, much more beneficial to take a walk. And if I you feel like you've digested well, then take a nice little 20 minute siesta and then get up and get ready to move on. I actually just lie down. If I'm very tired, I lie down on my left side with my yeah. right nostril up. And I just take a little rest. I don't actually fall asleep. I may just lie down and just let my muscles relax a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, and then I wanted to quickly mention 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yes. So Pittas love to say this to me that, oh, I, I put my children to bed and then I do three hours of work at night. And we both know that burning the midnight oil 
is not going to be beneficial. Yeah. And so what happens is that if you're active and 10 p.m. comes and goes, that pitta time uh, starts to get you, you start to get your second fire, your second wind. Mm. And then if people stay up during that time, one important thing does not happen. And that is our liver really does a lot of its detoxification at that Mm. time. And we need to be sleeping for it. So it's really, really, truly important that we train ourselves so we can be sleeping at that time because our body is really intelligent and it wants to do the things that it wants to do, but we have to, we have to allow it to do that. Absolutely. And Rima, when you I was just going to say that there are some clients of mine who are these, uh, as you said, you know, they put their kids to sleep and then they say, that's me time. So they're sitting watching Netflix for several hours and exciting shows and then they don't want to stop. Uh, And then you can actually, I've seen that their liver markers never actually come to a normal range and clinically as well. So we can talk about ancient practice in the sense that it's pitta time, liver has to detox, but you can actually see it in their lab work. And then um, once you point out to them and say, just try an experiment, four weeks, just go to bed early and then their liver enzymes are back in range. So, I mean, it's beautiful, the correlation between this ancient wisdom and actually being able to see it as proof on their labs. And I think modern day, sometimes people need to see that to actually say, okay, there's some proof for me. Now I need to sustain this practice. So thank you for sharing that as well. I think it's so important to be asleep. And in my practice, I tell people, if you're not sleeping by 10 p.m., don't even look at other protocols or practices because if that's not in place, nothing is going to change. Absolutely. Um, and Rima, um, anything more about the, about Vata Pitta Kapha? Because I know that you also mentioned uh, Marma for sleep and the word Marma itself is something very magical to me. So I want you to actually explain to us what is Marma and what do you mean by Marma for sleep? Yeah, absolutely. So Marma um, are subtle energetic points in the body where prana is stored Mm. and I like to tell my students that the marmas are like pearls and they sit on the nadis and nadis are these energetic channels within us and that makes up our mystical anatomy the beautiful thing about our Vedic sciences is that it really is mind body spirit medicine So Marma reminds us the nadis, the chakras, they're all part of our mystical anatomy. Mm. And sometimes, you know, human beings can spend so much time focusing on our physical body, but that is just one aspect. So the more we tap into our mystical body and our spiritual body, we can really have profound shifts of deep healing. So marmas, there's 107 vital points in our body. And one third of those marmas are located in our heads. Wow! So these great Ayurvedic sages 6,000 years ago fully understood this. They downloaded this information straight from the cosmos. 
and they practice these, these uh, deep, deep therapies, but they're actually really easy to access. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because I think it, it's a really powerful tool and I use it a lot. Um, so before we get into our Marma meditation, we, since we are talking about Ratri Acharya, Ayurvedic nighttime routine, could you actually curate a Ratri Acharya for us and what would it look like and what do we begin with? You mentioned the bath and the early dinner, but to actually put it together as a practice where somebody could follow it step by step in an Ayurvedic sequential order. Absolutely. So, you know, one time in at this integrative um, clinic, I heard one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. And I wish I could give credit to the person I heard it from, but I, I don't remember who it was. Mm. But he told uh, something and he called it the 10, 3, 2, 1 rule. Mm. And it's brilliant. Mm. So 10 represents that 10 hours before you want to go to sleep, you don't drink any more caffeine. Wow. So that means that most people don't drink caffeine or shouldn't drink caffeine after 12, 12 p.m. Right. And then three o'clock or the three, so it's 10, three, two, one. The three represents that three hours before you want to go to bed, you finish your food. Mm. And then two hours before you go to bed, you stop stimulating activities. Mm. And one hour before you go to bed, you put your cell phone away. Uh. So I really think 10, 3, 2, 1 is a great formula to go by. And so I that just put away, I just put my phone away by 5 p.m. airplane mode. No one can access me. I can't access anyone. And I find that's been the greatest shift in my deep sleep mm, that's brilliant that's beautiful mm. so I love talking about so you know there's so many cycles that 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 can really guide us we have dinacharya which is our daily routine we have rutu acharya which is our seasonal routine mm-hmm. and we have ratra acharya which is our nighttime routine So for people that have sleep problems, we call this excess bata, Mm. you know, especially with going to sleep. If you have trouble waking up and feeling, you know, energetic, then that's sometimes a kapha disorder. But most sleep problems is excess bata. So we have just too much going on in our mind. And so you have to really establish a good nighttime routine to get yourself into a habit that you can actually fall asleep. So one of the key things I think is that if you are somebody that has problems, then Abhyanga, which is Mm. your oil massage, is much better to do at nighttime than it is to do in the morning. So I would put on the list that first and foremost, Turn off all your lights, you know, get into the habit of living with nature and nature is going to get dark at, you know, 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. So get into the habit of of being with nature. The more lights that we have on and television, we're not living with nature. So first off, I say, turn everything off, get into the habit of being in your dark house. Mm -hmm. That's number one. 
And then number two, I think just take your ritual to your bathroom and really create this beautiful nighttime ritual. And Abhyanga is such a good thing to do. So Abhyanga, of course, is Ayurveda's uh, oil therapy. And it's considered, Abhyanga is considered anointing the body with oil, but it's also considered loving hands. Mm. So when we do Abhyanga to ourselves, we are giving ourselves love. And that's very important when we talk about lack of sleep. We have to self-nurture. We have to give ourselves love. And I think, Rima, also, you and know, I think- I'm taken for to, um, you know, there's this belief, grandmothers tell you that when there's a baby is very small in the afternoon you or in the evening, you give a little oil massage and then feed your baby and the baby is going to have great sleep. And I think really it is true for all of us. And when you said loving touch, it's um, it's about... Uh, you know, I truly believe there is this um, power of massage to increase oxytocin in the brain, which then helps you to fall asleep and uh, lowers your stress overall. So all that what you spoke about actually does have physiological effects on the body. Absolutely. And, you know, coming back to the babies for a minute, because I... I love talking about that. There's a saying in Ayurveda that if you massage your baby for 44 days after they're born, they're insured 44 years of good health. Wow, that is so, so beautiful. I wish I had known this 12 years ago. But you know what? It's in the DNA. You know, that's the beautiful. I'm so I was so excited to be interviewed by you. Indian woman in India, because this medicine is really part of that land. And so for you and your listeners to remind yourselves that it's in your ancestral code, it's in your memory, and you just need to let that bloom again, then Mm. we can all reclaim that beautiful ancestral wisdom. Because Ayurveda is as old as the cosmos itself. But the Indian culture made it a living wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's a really beautiful thing for people in India to remember. Yes. This is all part of our ancestral code. Yes, yes. I think some of the terms that you use are just, I mean, I think they'll stay with me for such a long time, like ancestral code and mystical anatomy. I mean, these are so beautiful um, I think it's the feminine aspect of yes, looking at Ayurveda. Too. Yes, yes. I was just going to say, I think this is what a woman brings into this conversation. Um, so yes, Abhyanga. And uh, do you have any favorite oils that you suggest for the evening? Because the common thing that I hear from a lot of my clients is that um, they get a cold if they put oil and then they you know they struggle for several days and um, I don't understand it so any yeah so you know we all even even in India when it's warm out we always want to heat up the oil because Mm -hmm. when we heat up the oil it has the same molecular structure as our skin Mm -hmm. so it goes very deep 
deep into our skin. So first off, we want to have the oil heated. We want it on, on a flame or a bowl with a, on top of a flame mm. because warm oil is going to make a big difference. The second thing is Jadamamsi. And I think Dr. Manmohan mentioned this too. Mm. Jadamamsi is a high Himalayan herb. It's precious. It's got 6,000 years of botanical wisdom, and it is one of the best nervine sedatives, meaning that it just calms your nervous system down. And sedative, it makes you want to go to sleep. So herb, so oils, sesame oil is considered the queen of oils in Ayurveda because it's warming, it's grounding, it's heavy, it's nourishing, and it's full of calcium and magnesium and phosphorus. So sesame is really wonderful. But in India, when it's warmer, then coconut oil is great. Also sunflower oil, but herbalized with nervine sedatives. So jadamamsi is very popular. Brahmi is very popular. Shanka pushpi. And do you just these put are the all Ayurvedic you, herbs? Do you just use the herbs by themselves, or are there oils which are prepared and um, sold like that? Because sometimes people don't want to get into actually buying roots, and I would love to. So, do you actually get jadamamsi as a root which you can just heat up with sesame? You oil? can, but you know. Yeah, but there is an ancient way of making it. Mm -hmm. And so the best place would be Ayurvedic um, clinics or stores or pharmacies that already sell it. Okay. Um, and if you want to make it, you just let me know and I will send oh, you the perfect. recipe. Beautiful. It's not hard. It's just time consuming. Oh, lovely. But yeah, you know, the thing is, is that I think, you know, in America and Europe, Ayurveda is so popular. So we have some really beautiful companies here. And I would imagine India is also rejuvenating and you could be able to find things there too. I'm hoping because okay. there's some things that I couldn't find in India when I went because some of those traditions were getting lost. Yes. And I'm really happy to hear that people are, are interested because that's going to preserve this medicine. Yes, absolutely. But yes, I will look so forward like, to you teaching me about the Jadamamsi preparation for sure. Yes, for sure. So any Vata oil that, you know, at Ayurvedic stores, they'll sell it as Vata Pitta Kapha oil and any Vata oil is amazing. And they'll sell it as like a vata blend, but also there's an oil called Danvantri, and it's mm. named after the god of Ayurveda. And that's a wonderful vata oil also. So Danvantram Kailam is what I use for my regular oil massage and soak every week. So that's, I love the aroma of Danvantram. It's just so calming to apply that. And I lie down and I just stay like that for an hour and it's, um, I don't think I ever, there's no therapy that I do all week, which is as powerful as my Danvantram oil every week. That sounds beautiful. So, and you know, Abhyanga, I think for people that saying they feel cold, they really need to make sure even if you are in a subtropical India, you, you do need to warm up the oil. Even if you warm it up just slightly, you have to. And then once you do that, I don't think any of your uh, listeners would have a problem 
with feeling cold. Then you have the option to um, keep the oil on for 20 minutes and then you can take a bath. I mean, a bath is such a wonderful way to get into your nighttime routine. Mm. And in India, there's such beautiful flowers like the champa flower, rose petals. You can even add a few of those in the bathtub. Those are also very calming to the heart and the mind also. Mm. And then I think if you have sleep problems, you absolutely have to commit to meditating twice a day. Right. I think the morning is like your morning ritual. You're setting the intentions for the day. You're having, you're starting the day with a clear mind. But what happens with people with vata energy is that if they don't have a meditation at the end of the day, it's like a bookend where they can close the day up and they can set it aside. Because if they don't do that, those thoughts will continue swirling and swirling. They'll have problems going to sleep. They'll wake up and they'll still be thinking about the things they were thinking about the day before. Oh, I love it. So it's really important to have a bookend at the end of the day and just empty your mind again. Mm. So that's definitely key for people that are having problems with, um, with sleep. And then I also think um, for Retracharya, you know, anything for your senses, our senses are our vehicles, right? You being a yogini, you understand that so much. We take a lot in. So for nighttime, if we can do anything to, for our senses to get us into that state of deep relaxation, that's really wonderful. So like yoga nidra, putting mm -hmm. on a yoga nidra would be amazing. Also any grounding aromas. If you wanted to smell anything right before bed, Jadamumsi essential oil, sandalwood essential oil, just putting a little bit on the tip of your nose. That's also very calming and grounding. The reason why essential oils are so popular is that the moment you inhale it, it sends a signal to your brain. And your brain has those nice emotional thoughts of relaxation, or you can let go a little bit. So I think anything that's pleasing to the senses would be a wonderful thing to do as your Ratracharya. Beautiful. And I think, Rima, I mean, it sounds so ideal, but the common thing I hear from people is that they don't, especially women they, who are mothers, they just don't give themselves the time and space to self-nurture. Uh, and then they have these um, restless sleep. And I think... I think all women need to understand before they can serve the world, they need to serve themselves because an empty vessel can't really provide other people with something. Uh, so beautiful routine that you, and I love aroma oils as well, but this is the first time I'm hearing of Jadamamsi essential oil. I need to go search for that now. Um, oh, it's, it's one of the best out there. Ah, beautiful. So you'll, you'll have to let me know if there if, if you can find it in India, because it's so it's so wonderful. In America, we find it. But it also um, it's a herb that is endangered and they're doing oh. a lot to to grow it. Um, and there's a lot of wonderful farmers in India that are working on preserving these amazing botanical wisdom that India has. And so there's a lot of people working on preserving Jadamamsi. 
So you'll have to let me know if you find that because it's one of the best herbs out there. Oh, I'm going to search and for it. It's still used. Hmm. Yeah, it's still used. Um, yeah, I had a thought, but I I, I lost train of thought. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happens when women have conversations. <laughs> it's just like, you know, one thing leads to another. And I'm also in that space several times where I've lost the thought. <laughs> but oh, uh, I, re- I remember what I wanted to say yes. about the mothers. You know, it, five years ago, we could say that self-care was a choice. Now it's a survival. We have to do self-care for yes. survival. There's no other way. You know, and as you put on your on your website and things is that I actually, I was teaching my students that 75% of the world population had sleep problems. And then I read your website and I realized it's now 90. Mm. And that's the same with stress. Stress is a pandemic that started before the pandemic. So self-care, it's no longer, you don't have a choice. You actually have to do it for survival. And that's a good thing to remember. Yes, I think we should all as women put that intention to prioritize ourselves first. Um, So Rima, I know I do want us to get to the Marma meditation. Do you have anything final to tell us before we go into that? You know, I just wanted to remind your listeners that sleep is the miracle drug we're all looking for. And so many things happen when we sleep. We actually have a spiritual experience. So Mm -hmm. when we are not allowing ourselves to sleep, we're not having the spiritual experiences that we should be having on a daily basis. That's part of our cycle. You know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So we have to really tap into that, those spiritual times that the universe has provided for us. And also sleep is anti-inflammatory. You know, we do a lot of important things. And so another suggestion that I have is I think it's a really good idea for people to track their habits around sleeping because it it kind of shines a light into the darkness so they can see why they're having a problem. So I think that that would be a really good thing for people like to journal around that or or, or just put attention on, on it because habits, we can shift habits. It doesn't have to be this this terrible thing that you have a sleep, that you have sleep problems because the whole world is facing this. And we don't have to have it be this overwhelming, terrible thing that the world is facing. You know, we have a lot of tools and one big one is awareness. Yes. So I I think that would be a really good thing is to just track, track to see what's, what you're doing in your life because the answers are there. I agree, Rima. And in fact, I just got an email from someone uh, in US a few days ago, and it was in the middle of the day for me. So she sent me this mail, which was obviously the middle of the night for her. Uh, And she was checking mails and she was asking me questions. I mean, this is the first thing that can tip over your sleep if you start to check your messages and your mails and social media. And I think there has to be that hard stop in the evening where you say, 
I'm out of service until late in the next morning. And that, I think there's nothing as, as dangerous as getting into this space of responding and uh, getting your mind active in the middle of the night. So uh, before we get to our meditation, I just want to get our sleep whisper a mantra. You already shared a beautiful mantra, but if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete it for us, Rima? Mm. If, if sleep is the new medicine, If sleep is the new medicine, it's really reminding us about our inner selves. You know, like if sleep is a new medicine, it's really going to take us to who we truly are, our true essence. Mm. And that's what we're all here to find out. Lovely. Lovely, Rima. Thank you for being here. And of course, I want us to go through the Marma meditation. But if you'd like people to, if people would like to know more about you, where could they find you? Yeah, so, you know, right now, um, I think Instagram is the best way. It's Rima Shah-Ayurveda on Instagram. And um, I think that's a perfect place. My, I'll have a new website up soon and all the links will be there. Um, I, uh, I teach a, a year one Ayurveda course in America. I run a clinic. Um, I've had students for 17 years. I would love people to reach out and um, and yeah, that's the best way. Beautiful, Rima. And I'd love to read some articles from you on ancestral code and mystical anatomy. And I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about those two phrases that you used. Um, so let's get into our Marma meditation. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Thank you.